Thank you for tuning in to the RPC Sermon Series podcast. You're about to hear a live sermon, which was recorded at our 11 a.m. contemporary service. We are thrilled to share it with you. Thank you for listening. I am not used to being like preaching sitting down, which it's like trying to talk with my hands tied behind my back. But uh, I'm so glad uh, to introduce you to Sean Duncan, who's the director of the Lupton Center, who works with focused community strategies. Uh, Bob Lupton was the founder of that organization that really focuses in on community development, especially in South Atlanta, in East Lake. And Bob has written a lot of, for over about 40 years. Um, they've used his principles to build up communities and to serve. And so, uh, Maybe about two years ago, the session of the church, which is the elders, the governing board, came together and wanted to put together a strategic plan. What do we want and what did we discern God calling us to do and become over the next five years? And we really had three key initiatives. The first was to start a contemporary service, which I'm glad you're here. We've been successful with that. And then the second was, was a community group initiative. And so this past Lent, we gathered in community groups uh, as we journeyed through Lent together. We had about 400 folks join together in those. And then the third thing was, is we want to look at our mission outreach program. We, we wanted to say, how is God calling us to serve? We've, we've had, been on this great journey now. What's the next step in the journey look like? And so we brought in Sean about six months ago to meet with, um, us, our leadership, to meet with our program partners, those people that we minister with, and the uh, participants, those um, that we're trying to serve. And so we brought in Sean so that he could kind of give us an, an outsider's view of what we're doing here. He could um, celebrate what's going right and maybe t- uh, speak some tough truths to us too. And so that's what, what we've brought him here today. And we wanted to look at Luke 10 verses 1 through 9 as our text to guide our conversation. So listen for the word of the Lord. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I'm sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide. For the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you, cure the sick who are there, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for this great passage from Holy Scripture, and we ask that in the next few moments you might be our teacher, that we might learn from you, that you might speak to our hearts and you might speak a message only your spirit can speak. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, one of the uh, movements that has occurred in Christian ministry over about the past 10 years is we've gone really from a focusing on what might be called paternalistic ministry to partnering or partnership. And so, Sean, I was hoping that you could tell us a little bit about what paternalism in ministry is, and then uh, how it developed and what, what we're trying to move into into the future. 
Yes, as a, as a concept, paternalism can be really, really big. Um, our shorthand for that is that anytime we're doing for others what they have the capacity to do for themselves. Uh, and a couple of characteristics of that particular model of outreach or of mission, uh, one would be that it lacks proximity. Um, it's pretty common that you might have one group of people who have a desire to serve and care for others, uh, and then there's another group of people who are the intended beneficiaries of that, surface, that service. Uh, but those two groups of people are not living uh, common life together. Uh, that the communities that they inhabit, uh, the, the rhythms of life that they follow, the places where they walk, live, shop, play, worship, uh, tend to be pretty uh, distant from one another, uh, which means it leads to kind of the second characteristic of that mode of mission would be that there's an overemphasis on material need or material poverty, that when you do live on the outside, potentially, of this particular community, uh, the, the assumptions become what you might see on the surface. They have... Uh, less X, Y, or Z than we do, that their community seems to have uh, a material lack that we don't experience. And so when we look at our abundance of material goods, we kind of want to grab from that and then, then start giving in kind of this one-way giving fashion, um, rather than seeing that there's maybe something more mutual that happens. And so a lot of our work is trying to call people away from uh, just this one-way giving of material resources, uh, which has kind of played out uh, interestingly in my own particular neighborhood uh, where uh, we've been the recipients of the one-way giving charity. Uh, our neighbors, a number of our neighbors are resettled refugees, and part of their entrance into the United States uh, is the need for English language proficiency. And so a lot of churches offer English language classes. Uh, and so at these classes, the churches want to be as generous as possible and not knowing enough about really the lives that these, these families are living. They assume, well, they pro they're, they're probably poor. They probably need food. They probably need school supplies. And so they're just wanting to give. And so they'll leave English class with like bags of bread or other things. And so we'll get a knock on, on the door and Amma, who's the grandmother who knows like four words of English, will just kind of stick her hand out and there's like a bag of bread and we just, thank you, Amma. And we'll go put it on our counter to go bad because we can't eat, you know, six pounds of bread in the course of a week. So uh, yeah, that's how that kind of plays yeah, out sometimes. Okay. Um, in our story today, Jesus, I think it, I find it interesting that Jesus sends out 70 of his followers to do the work of his ministry. And he sends them out in pairs. And then he says this, to go to every town and place where he intended himself to go. What do you think this highlights for us as followers of Christ and the ministry we're called to, to do? Yeah, I would say Luke 10 is a really significant passage to really begin to reshape a different imagination about how mission uh, about how outreach can really look. And one of the most fascinating things to me about Luke 10 and why it's so important is that he asks these pairs of disciples to really be rooted in place, to become a part of the fabric of that community. He actually stripped away their resources. They didn't have a mission budget. Like he took away all their, they said, don't take any money, don't take extra food, don't take extra clothes. You now are the poor wanderer knocking on the door, hoping that someone will invite you in and give you a place to stay. Uh, hoping that they will give you something to eat. Um, but it's not just that. He actually expected them to take part in the economy of the village. When Jesus talks about the harvest being plentiful, we often spiritualize that to talking about like a, a spiritual harvest. And so, yeah, I think Jesus is given to having multiple meanings at any one time that he's speaking. Uh, but I think he's also being literal that the economy of this village functions based on the harvest. So when you get there, get to work uh, and partner in the way of life. And so that they're 
seeing the assets and the opportunities and the capacity and the dignity of that place, not just, well, what's broken and what can I fix, which kind of tended to be my own mentality when I moved where I did, was thinking like, well, I'm here to kind of ride the white horse in, and I'm going to save, and I'm going to rescue, and I'm going to serve, and, I, and kind of had this, and then before long, it's like, well, maybe I'm not that important. Maybe I don't have that much to offer. Maybe there's some other way of going about this. And how can um, focusing in on friendship and partnering and relationships, how can that open us up to being blessed in surprising ways? Yeah, I think our, our initial kind of metaphor was much more about being the hands and feet of Jesus, which is not a, an unbiblical metaphor. Uh, but something subtle that it does is it always makes me Jesus and my neighbor the one in need of being saved by me who's Jesus. So I got a beard. I don't know if it really qualifies me quite yet to be Jesus. You're on your way. I'm trying. Get, the, get my college long hair back or something. But, uh, but yeah, so our metaphor really had to shift to more like Matthew 25 where it says uh, that, whatever, that, that whatever you've done for the least of these, you've done for me. So who's Jesus in that exchange? It's not me, right? My neighbor is actually Jesus. And so what does it mean to seek this kind of mutually transformative encounter where at first, I felt all the burden and then didn't know what to do when I didn't really have a role to serve or to fix or to do something for someone. When the refugees, I assumed, were poor and vulnerable and weak, actually turned out to be really uh, amazingly gifted, competent, resilient people who were looking for neighbors, not for people to serve them, right? Uh, but in being a good neighbor, there were ways to serve, but to be served as well. And so this mutual transformation where I was beginning to see my Christian faith through a lens I'd never seen it before because they, they showed me how to embody it in ways that I hadn't seen before. Uh, and so seeing my life and the lives of my own children changed uh, in that exchange in ways I would not have been able to experience if I was only trying to serve them at a distance once a week or once a month. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we brought Sean in about six months ago to start looking at RPC and our community partners, both local and global. And uh, Sean, I, I wonder if you would just share with us what are... What are some of the things that you found that we're doing well at? Really not much, Jeff. I don't know. I don't... <laughs> There's only one way to go. <laughs> I knew Jeff before RPC days, so um, <laughs> that may be where that came from. Um, yeah, one of the most beautiful things that I saw um, was what I would say is the most important currency in doing this kind of work, uh, and that's trust. Uh, you cannot move in this work faster than trust uh, allows you to. Um, no matter the amount of resources or expertise that we feel we have, none of that gives us the right or privilege to do anything anywhere in any community. All of that's built upon, do you have relationship? Do you have trust? Um, and the folks that specifically in Neighborhood Action Ministry, which is doing a lot of good work in some apartment communities in this area, um, they have done an incredible job over the last five years of creating a very hospitable environment where trust is really being built. And to me, that's this foundational key to being able to move to really healthy and, and effective work. And I will also let you know that RPC was, I mean, the founder or on one of the uh, key catalysts in a lot of organizations that help out folks in North Fulton. So I'm thinking of North Fulton Community Charities, Child Development Academy, home stretch. I mean, God has been using RPC in some ways. But in light of what we've read in Luke 10, what are some things maybe that we don't do as well that we need to grow in, that God's calling us to, to move forward in? Yeah, I think thinking about the, the environment of trust and hospitality that's been created in the context of uh, the ministry, um, outside of the context of that program, there's not a lot of connectedness, 
right? Uh, so what I described earlier about the uh, communities being served uh, and communities seeking to do the serving, um, that there's still a distance that I think uh, there's some incredible opportunities that we that none of us in here can predict if we really begin to be intentional about collapsing that distance. Um, and then I would say thinking really carefully about what is the impact uh, RPC intends to have in this place and in this community. Uh, it's easy to get really busy with lots of activity and to measure our health or success by how much activity we have been doing or how many things we've given or how many hours we've served or how many places we've worked. Uh, and those numbers are all important, but they're kind of secondary to have we actually impacted the critical issues that are making our community, that might be making our community vulnerable. Uh, and so thinking about uh, very specifically, what are the outcomes and impact we seek to have, and how do we go about that really well? Okay. In light of proximity and outcomes, what do you think, you know, as you talk to people all over the country doing, trying to do this work and this ministry, really practically, what do you think are some opportunities for us here at RPC? Yeah, before the specific practical, I would just lean in to say, in general, continue the pioneering mentality that's been a part of this church for a long, long time. You know, Jeff mentioned North Fulton Community Charities and Homestretch and all these other organizations, that one of the things I heard as I interviewed uh, partners throughout this area, as they're reflecting upon their knowledge of RPC and your work in this place, it became clear quickly um, that this church has so often been on the forefront of any new opportunity. Uh, and also been extremely generous in jumping in at the forefront of those opportunities. And I would say keep leaning into that willingness to head into new territory that you don't quite yet understand that's going to require some risk and going to take you into new places. Uh, keep that spirit alive and keep, keep leaning into that. Um, now, on a practical side, as we're talking about proximity, there are uh, churches, nonprofits, organizations, individuals who have made the decision to say we are going to commission Strategic neighbors, people who will make it their focus to say relationship first, that I'm going to embed my life and my family's life in the communities, in the parts of this community we seek to serve. We cannot do this from a distance. Uh, and so who might be the lead for that? And that's our model as well as a community development organization that's 40 years old, has worked in five neighborhoods in Atlanta. We always lead with neighboring. Who's going to move in? Who's going to build trust? Who's going to build relationship? And who's going to figure out what the partnership should look like? We do lots of big economic development and housing. We do a lot of really robust things, but we don't lead with that. We always lead with presence. We always lead with neighboring. So who can be those lead people? And the second thing I would say uh, is don't uh, underestimate the value of really slowing down and learning. Uh, poverty is as unique to its own place as any other dynamic that makes a place what it is, right? I think a lot of us who, if we haven't experienced poverty ourselves or we haven't been in close relationship with someone who has, we kind of have this monolithic uh, definition or understanding of, of what poverty means, what it is, what it's like. It is unique to every context where you're going to find it, whether it's just the same city of Metro Atlanta or, or communities across the world. And so I would really encourage uh, a very careful season of learning and discovery. What is the unique face of the challenges that are happening here? Why do they exist here? What's perpetuating them? And what kind of partnerships could really lead to some impact? And just really give yourself to a season of learning and how that can really change uh, the future of what you do. Yeah, 
Uh, and having you here is one of step in the process as we're trying to learn and listen from um, one another, from our partners, from those we're trying to, to serve. Uh, there's a lot going on here at RPC, and there's a lot going on as Jesus sends out these 70 in pairs. But did you notice how he concludes that the goal was so that you may be able to say, the kingdom of God has come near to you? And I think that's a powerful statement that um, and one of the things I've learned so much from you over the years is the focus on relationship, that it's not just about isolated people, but it's about a community. It's about that the kingdom of God has come near, that, that everyone is flourishing, everyone is taken care of. And at Roswell Presbyterian Church, we want to be a place where when people come into contact with us and our ministries, they can say, the kingdom of God has come near to you. And we want that not just here in Roswell, not just here in North Fulton, not here just in Atlanta or Georgia. We want that in the world. And God's, God's scope, God's vision is universal. And he invites us to participate in that. And so thank you for your work, for your ministry, as we continue to learn and to listen. The kingdom of God has come near to you. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you so much for this great work you have called us to, this great ministry. We pray that we might serve in healthy ways and we would not be paternalistic, but we would enter into partnership, that we would discover uh, the blessing of, of surprise, that, that we have um, places in our lives that need to be healed. We have thirst that needs to be quenched. There, there are friends out there that we haven't even met yet. God, we pray that we might be in, um, in mutual relationships with our neighbors, Lord, that each of us, all of us, might be able to say, the kingdom of God has come near. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the RPC Sermon Series podcast. If you'd like more info about Roswell Presbyterian Church, check out our website at roswellpres.org.